For those who don't know me, I think that's one. Uh, <laughs> um, my name is Nathan uh, McCargo. I am actually one of the elders here at uh, Missio Day Church. And uh, um, I am going to be teaching for the next, this week and the next four weeks. Um, our elder, other three elders and their families are away on vacation. Um, so I actually get to exercise something that an elder is supposed to have, and that is the ability to teach. So I'm going to exercise that and bear with me because I don't do it often. Um, but it's definitely something that um, I know God can work through and teach me. And hopefully you guys will learn and grow also. So uh, thank you for coming tonight. Um, tonight I'm going to uh, simply recap or end our series on cultural engagement. The past few weeks we have been going over a lot of different topics and categories. So it is my goal and our job to do that tonight. Um, so if you have any questions, you can easily tweet them to AskMD and J. Um, I think I said that right. Ask him, hashtag AskMDMJ. Um, if you have any questions, feel free to tweet those. We will go over those this week at community groups. Community groups this week will be combined. We will let you know the details about that for this week coming up. Um, so let me uh, begin here with some prayer. Father God, I ask that uh, you settle my heart. Um, it is extremely hot in here, um, and I'm trying not to focus on that and focus on uh, your word and, and teaching that well uh, to those who are here and those who are listening elsewhere, Lord. So I pray that you'll be with me. I pray that uh, the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be acceptable in your sight. I pray that those that are here will hear uh, from you, not from my heart desires, not from any other heart desire, but from you um, and be able to apply and make changes accordingly. Uh, thank you for tonight. Thank you for this church, Lord, uh, that you have uh, blessed us with, the family that it is, um, and, and for the community you have provided to us, Lord. Thank you for all you do. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, so um, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are to be disciples who are making disciples. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. Uh, says this. This instruction is simple to understand. Um, Paul explains it this way. Be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. This means we are to look to those who are in front of us, um, who God has placed in front of us, and also look behind us for those who we can be great examples to and disciple and lead forward. Uh, this also means that we need to be cognizant of those who are behind us, um, and live out Christ well. Um, the command to be uh, to make disciples is one that is for everyone who calls Jesus Christ Lord. Yet day in day out, we seem to find ourselves distracted. Find ourselves distracted with school, with work, with family, with friends, a bunch of other things. Uh, we go to church and even get involved in ministry. Yet we seem to miss the Great Commission. Um, like I said, over the past six weeks, uh, we've looked at what godly wisdom is. Um, and we've attached that godly wisdom to the cultural topics that you see here. Um, we, uh, we wanted to talk through that series with you guys for a couple of reasons. We realized that for some, some of these cultural topics, you have made a banner 
over your life and have stood behind that and pushed forward as something great to stand behind, something good to push, something um, that um, is is worthwhile uh, sacrificing your life for. While others, some of these social topics, um, we've sat silently. Maybe we didn't know how to engage. Maybe we didn't know how to do uh, speak to people about these different topics that are present here. Um, for some, these topics hit very close to home. You know someone who uh, has dealt with some of these. Uh, for others, these topics are were eye-opening. You learned a lot. You understood a lot of different things. Um, but at the end of the day, um, I think Christ would call us to be able to connect the gospel in ways that are helpful in each one of these areas. So let me set up how tonight will go. Um, the structure um, and expectations for tonight will be as follows. Tonight we'll tackle one of these cultural topics. Um, my goal is to, with God's help, be able to set up a narrative from scripture uh, for us to follow so that uh, we can apply uh, discipleship to that topic and see how it plays out in in a story uh, as presented by scripture um, and ultimately end with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So really quick for review, um, the topics have been up there. These were the topics, racism, uh, gender identity, sanctity of life, marriage, family, terrorism, and politics. Um, Someone give me something that you didn't know or you learned or understood over the past couple weeks um, concerning these subjects. You guys know I'm comfortable with silence. I love silence. What have you learned? Something interesting. Something exciting. Something you didn't know before. Did we learn anything? No? I'm getting head shaken. No, that's interesting. <laughs> Julia. Um, the Yeah, so terrorism beyond the ISIS, beyond the um, extreme terrorism that we see, just day-to-day terrorism. Uh, maybe there, maybe churches are terrorizing people. Other people are just randomly terrorizing people. Yeah, definitely. Anything else? The progress of terrorism, good, good. So terrorism goes from a passion, a desire in your heart, and then pushes all the way through into hate. Um, And then we talked about how it's cyclical, how that cycle just keeps going around and around and around and around and around. So after hate, it goes to a passion and keeps circling right back around. Um, Good. Was there anything else? Nothing on family, sanctity of life, gender identity. All right, I'll take the pressure off and we'll shift. We're going to move into wisdom. 
we'll talk about wisdom really quick because I thought that it was very crucial to understand these subjects that we have to understand wisdom. We have to be wise in how we handle these subjects. So uh, let's dive into wisdom. Wisdom begins with a knowledge of God that leads us to fear, respect, and honor of God. Proverbs 9, 10. This is to say that we should have a proper view of who we are as compared to who God is. This is not a fear that we run away or we are afraid of. It's more a fear of respect and more of a fear that you go to out of reverence um, is the type of fear we're talking about. Uh, Proverbs uh, eleven twelve says that the wise person is characterized by a humble spirit. Someone who is wise then humbles himself, uh, humbles themselves before God and others. This wise person not only fears the Lord, which is the beginning of the wellspring of wisdom, he is not only characterized by a humble spirit. Matthew seven twenty four says that he who hears and does uh, what God he he is he who hears and does what God wants. This man has such a proper view on God and himself. Sorry, I just lost my place. He has. He has humbled himself to the point that it is commonplace for him to obey God and his word. So the humble person, man who is full of wisdom, it's a commonplace for him to just simply say, here's what God says. So therefore, I will follow because I have proper respect, a proper understanding of who I am and who God is. Um, He will live out life how God has designed it him too. Um, So wisdom then is humbly hearing and doing out of fear of the Lord. This is a great start, but it doesn't answer the questions of the day-to-day struggle. It doesn't answer uh, decision, wise decision-making in the moment. So then we would go to scripture also to speak about this, and the decision-making becomes wise as we renew our minds with the word which helps us examine situation and discern what God will, God's will is, Romans 12, 12. Um, you hear this as Paul's prayer for uh, the Colossians. And he says uh, his prayer was for God to fill them with the knowledge of his will through every kind of spiritual understanding and insight. He asked this so that they would live the kind of lives that prove they belong to the Lord. So to sum it up, a wise person humbly hears, does what the Lord and does what the Lord commands. He then grows in wisdom by renewing his mind on the word, which helps him navigate through the day to day decisions. I'm going to say that again. It's a little wordy. So therefore, a wise person is one who hears and does what the Lord commands. He then grows in wisdom by renewing his mind on the word, which helps him navigate the day-to-day decisions. So we allow wisdom to guide us through the life as we live in the culture that surrounds us. So let's talk about tonight's subject. Um, I picked uh, racism for tonight's subject as the one that I would walk through scripture with to create a discipleship narrative for. Um, We hear a lot about racism nowadays, um, but I wanted to really quick say why I picked this this one out of all the other uh, seven that are there. Um, I picked racism because um, it is something that uh, 
around us we see all the time. Um, people deal with it in different ways. Um, people deal with it in anger. Some people deal with it different ways. Um, and so I felt like we needed to be able to, as a church, be able to engage in our community, which is full of all different people from all different walks of life and be able to engage well and speak into those areas. Um, how I grew up, um, I grew up in a household uh, where pretty much my parents said, we don't see color, but we do see color because we see people of all different walks of life. So that's not actually true. We don't see color. What they were trying to say is that we don't respect a person differently because of the color of their skin. We treat everyone equally. We treat everyone correctly. Um, and so currently what we're hearing is black lives matter, blue lives matter, white lives matter, all lives matter. Those are the things that we're hearing. Um, and that's pretty much elevating one and saying, well, this is one's kind of more important for these reasons or those, well, this one's more important or this one matters also because of these reasons or those reasons. Um, so that's the reason why I picked this subject because it's current right now where we're at. And, um, so that's why I picked this subject. Um, I'm going to give some scripture here that I thought was pertinent for us to walk through um, for this subject. I think it gives um, a, a basis for social justice, a core for social justice. So if you could turn to Luke 4, 18 through 19, Luke 4, 18 through 19, and I'll set up what's going on in this passage here. Uh, Luke four eighteen through 19, right before 18, Jesus is uh, about to start his earthly ministry. And um, so he's on his way to the synagogue as a standard for him. He would walk into town, walk into the synagogue and start teaching. Um, that's what he standardly did. But this is the beginning of his earthly ministry. And he pretty much sets up a mission that he's running on, um, an idea of where he's going. <coughs> and so we see in Luke four eighteen through 19, it says, The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recover and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So, like I said, at the beginning of this, Jesus walks into the synagogue. He picks up the prophet, the scroll for the prophet Isaiah, and uh, he establishes ministry. And that is to proclaim good news to the to the poor, liberty to captives, recover sight. Um, and set liberty those who are oppressed. This is social justice at its core, as Christ set it up. Uh, Micah 6, 8 then says, um, He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly before your God. So, as disciples of Jesus Christ, we must also be about the same things that he was about. Um, the good news to the poor, liberty to the captives, recovering sight for the blind, and setting at liberty those who are oppressed. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to read through um, our passage for tonight, the story in which we are going to follow um, and see how Jesus disciples, um, see how he brings his disciples along, uh, see how he um, brings good news, see how he brings sight, see how um, he does what he set his mission to do. So give me a second here as I turn to John 4 and verse 
one. Many of you know this story. It's a Samaritan woman meets Jesus at the well. I'm reading from the version of the Bible that is God's word, um, just because it's the easiest for me to read personally. So that's why I'm reading that version. If you have another version, try and bear with me um, as I read this. I'm going to drink some water first, though. All right, John 4, verse 1. Jesus knew that the Pharisees had heard that he was making and baptizing more disciples than John. Actually, Jesus was not baptizing people his disciples were. So he left the Judean countryside and went back to Galilee. Jesus had to go through Samaria. He arrived at the city at a city in Samaria called Sychar. Sychar was near the piece of land that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus sat down by the well because he was tired from traveling. I want to stop here really quick. Um, I love when I read the scriptures and see um, things about Jesus that I can understand and see how he um, understands who we are, understands some of the things that we go through. And this just simply says he sat down. He was tired. We all understand that. Sometimes you just need to sit down. You're tired. So he sat down and he's tired. And that's comforting me to know, you know what? Jesus does understand. Even when I'm tired, he understands when I'm, when, I'm, when I'm having a good day, when I'm having a bad day. He understands. He's acquainted with who I am. So Jesus sat down by the well because he was tired from his travels. The time was about six o'clock in the evening. A Samaritan woman went to get some water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink of water. His disciples had gone into the city to buy some food. The Samaritan woman asked him, How can a Jewish man like you ask a Samaritan woman like me for drinking water? Jews, of course, don't associate with Samaritans. Remember that Jews, of course, don't associate with Samaritans. Verse 10, Jesus replied to her, if you only knew what God's gift is and who is asking you for a drink, you would have asked him for a drink. He would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you don't have anything to use to get water and the well is deep. So where are you going to get this living water? You're not more important than our ancestor, Jacob, are you? You gave us this who gave he gave us this well. He and his sons and his animals drank water from it. Jesus answered her, everyone who drinks this water will become thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I will give them will never become thirsty again. In fact, the water I will give them will become in them a spring that gushes up to eternal life. The woman told Jesus, sir, give me this water. Then I won't get thirsty or have to come here to get water. Jesus told her, go to your husband and bring him here. The woman replied, I don't have a husband. Jesus told her, you're right when you say that you don't have a husband. You've had five husbands, and the man you have now isn't your husband. You've told the truth. The woman said to Jesus, I see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews say that people must worship in Jerusalem. Jesus told her, believe me. A time is coming when you Samaritans won't be worshiping the father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. 
you don't know what you're worshiping. We Jews know what we're worshiping because salvation comes from the Jews. Indeed, the time is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for people like that to worship him. God is a spirit. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will tell us everything. Messiah is the one called Christ. Jesus told her, I am he, and I'm speaking to you now. At that time, the disciples returned. They were surprised that he was taking, talking to a woman. But none of them asked him, what do, you, what do you want from her, or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar and went back into the city. She told the people, come with me. Meet a man who told me everything I, I've ever done. Come, he, could he be the Messiah? The people left the city and went to meet Jesus. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, have something to eat. Jesus told them, I have food to eat that you don't know about. The disciples asked each other, did someone bring him something to eat? Jesus told him, my food is to do what the one who sent me wants me to do and to finish the work he has given me. Don't you say, in four more months, the harvest will be here? I'm telling you to look and see that the fields are ready to be harvested. The people who harvest the crop is, are, is already getting paid. He is gathering gain for, grain for eternal life. So the person who plants the grain and the person who harvests it are happy together. In this respect, the saying is true. One person plants, another person harvests. I have sent you to harvest a crop you have not worked for. Other people have done the hard work, and you have followed them in this work. Many Samaritans in that city believed in Jesus because of the woman who said, He told me everything I've ever done. So when the Samaritans went to Jesus, they asked him to stay with, him, with them. He stayed in Samaria for two days. Many more Samaritans believed because of what Jesus said. They told the woman, Our faith is no longer based on what you've said. We have heard him ourselves, and we know that he really is the savior of the world. So lengthy, lengthy passages there. Um, there's a lot there um, concerning discipleship, and I'm going to try and bring some of those things out. Uh, Jesus uh, makes it to this well, and uh, he sits down for a minute as he's tired from his journey. Um, one thing about Samaria and, well, the Samaritans and the Jews is that they really didn't get along too well. Um, there's a plenty of reasons for this. Uh, there's plenty of people who have done some research, and some of it's speculative. Some of it is a difference of worship. Uh, Samaritans were more pagan in their worship. Um, Judeans or Jewish people were more um, worshiping God and so forth. So there were some, some quarrels concerning that, some, some fights concerning that. Uh, conquering armies. There were some conquering armies um, that fought uh, the Samaritans and, and won, and there was really no sympathy from the Jews or from Judea. And uh, either there was an offer to help rebuild the temple, or there was an offer to help rebuild the temple. The Samaritans either offered and were refused, or the Samaritans refused to offer help. 
Um, or, so those are some of the things that have translated through years and years and years of quarreling between the two to where the Jews would go around Samaria. They wouldn't even walk through Samaria. Um, and so you have Jesus who, being on mission, goes right in, sits down at Sychar at the well and says, I'm going to sit right here in the middle of Samaria as a Jew. I'm going to sit here. Um, the Samaritan woman approaches him um, and she says, well, he says to her, hey, can I have some water from the well? Never brings up, Jesus never brings up that he's Jewish, never brings up that she's Samaritan, never says anything along those lines. Um, the Samaritan woman um, doesn't hesitate to bring it up. She says, how can you, a Jewish man, ask me for water to drink? And uh, it's, it's important to note here that they've gone so far in their quarreling that even basic needs of, hey, do you need some water? You seem to be traveling in the desert. It's hot. Water's not even the issue here. She jumps right to, why are you even asking me for water? We don't even associate So the basic need here of humanity, some water to drink, has been skipped right on over. She jumped right into, we're different. We don't even associate. Why are you asking me? Um, That's where I kind of tagged Jewish lives matter, Samaritan lives matter. What's the issue here? What's going on? Why? So Jesus, being on mission, addresses the issue at hand and says, hey, I have water here for you. The good news is the water that I have is living water. It's a, it's a well that gushes up to eternal life. Uh, he also recovers her sight and says, listen, now that I've told you about this water and you want some, go bring me your husband. And she says, well, I don't really have a husband. And he says, well, you speak truth. <laughs> You've had five, and the one you're with now isn't even your husband. Um, And he brings that to light to let her know that, listen, I understand what's going on in your life, but I also want you to understand that I can heal and I can speak into these things. And you see her turn a little bit because the reason why she was at the well at 6 p.m. is because she didn't go earlier with the rest of the women to get the water for the day while it was cooler. She had to go later because she had guilt, because she had shame. She had a lot on her. And so she didn't want to go and deal with that for um, to get water. So she was coming later. So Jesus said all of that to her to, to relieve, free her of the captivity of her guilt and shame. Jesus saw behind her ethnicity um, and he saw behind the physical needs and he connected her to her deepest need of a savior and living water. She then goes into town and she says, hey, listen, I met this man at the well over here, and he he provided me with eternal life. He provided me with these things. He told me about my life. And she doesn't just leave it at, hey, I met Jesus, which a lot of times Christians do. They leave it at, hey, I met Jesus. Life is better. This is happening. This is all these things are changing for me. And they miss the point of, wait a minute, offer it to the person you're talking to. We, we just skip right over, like, hey, this is great. This is what I'm learning. This is where I'm at. But we never actually get to offering. And she turns around and says, hey, I found this is great. These are great things, but also come meet him. Let me show Jesus to you. So while she was going, the disciples came up with some food for Jesus and said, hey, here, we got you some food to eat. Uh, They never talked about, never really asked about why he was talking to her or why any of those things. They brought him some food. Jesus, again, still being missional, still seeking to disciple, turns this around on his disciples and says, listen, you're focused on physical needs. 
You're focused on filling stomachs. You're focused on the body. You're focused on all these things. And you're missing the harvest that's right in front of you. You're missing the bread of life. You're missing these spiritual things. Um, and you see this, uh, these things in First Timothy 4, 8. It says, training the body helps a little, but godly living helps everything. In John 6, Jesus says, uh, I am the bread of life. He teaches them to get to work and that there is no need to wait around for a certain time, a certain place to say something about Jesus Christ. A lot of times we find ourselves there. We find ourselves sticking to the issues at hand. We find ourselves saying, uh, let me talk to this person about this. Let me talk to the person about that. But never really getting around to the truth of the word. Never really saying, hey, listen, that's all great. But the truth of the matter is I'm more concerned about uh, your eternal security. I'm more concerned about your eternal life. So Jesus gives us power to approach these issues like racism and any other issues that we've talked about, the culture issues over the past few weeks, with good news uh, for setting those who are captive free, for returning sight to the blind, for setting free those who are oppressed. Um, I'm going to talk about setting, uh, recovering sight to the blind for one second. Um, I don't have the gift of healing, so this is not like a blind person um, that needs healing. This is someone who is not seeing truth clearly, and we get to help them see truth clearly, truth about their situation, truth about what's going on with them. We connect them to scripture, we connect them to truth, and help them see. So that's what uh, recovering sight for the blind means. So Jesus empowers us to approach people boldly with these things. Um, We do all of this um, with loving kindness and humbly. So for application, wisdom simply says um, that we should fear God, and that's having a proper respect for him. Um, and that is understanding out of a knowledge who God is and who we are. It's humbly hearing, um, hearing from God and listening to him as to what we're supposed to do, hearing from others as to helping us along the way, um, and then applying to our situation uh, those things that have been spoken to us. And then renewing our minds regularly in the word, renewing our minds on who God is, renewing our minds so that way when we're confronted with a decision to make, how to make wise decisions, we'll be able to understand and examine the situation and say, you know what, this is the wise move to make because of us renewing our minds. As that connects to cultural topics, um, it's very, very simple. We need to connect like Christ connected. Um, We need to connect um, the topic, the topic is not the most important piece. A lot of times we want to say, okay, well, racism or family life or sanctity of life and all of these things are great topics. But the actual topic we need to get around to is actually the gospel of Jesus Christ and connecting that person with the gospel, not the topic at hand. Um, we need to be listening. Uh, a lot of times we approach people with an understanding of how we've done life, how we live life and understand life, and then they're trying to tell us what's going on with them and we try and filter that through our understanding of life that we lived. We have to be able to listen to someone and say, hey, here's the struggles, here's what I'm going through, here's all of those things, and then be able to address those things properly with truth from the scriptures. 
um, address beyond the physical needs. We like to serve here at MD. We enjoy serving people. Um, but the truth of the matter is service is great. But if we never get around to opening our mouths and speaking to people about why we serve, about how they can understand who Jesus Christ is um, and, and grow out of that, then the service is not actually meaningful. We're not doing anything uh, well concerning that. So um, we address more than the physical need. And then the last point is the harvest is ready now. Harvest is around us. He says that here. People have already laid the tracks for you. The person you bump into next may just need you to say, hey, listen, here's who Jesus Christ is. It sounds like that's who you're looking for. The, it, the work's already been done. We just have to get around our fear and say, here it is. So get to work is really what Jesus was telling the disciples. Stop focusing on the physical. Stop focusing on all these things and get to work. Say exactly what it is. Hey, listen, I, you seem to have these issues going on. Here's Christ. Here's how Christ can bring good news. Here's how he can recover, free you uh, from captivity, how he can help you. Um, so as a standard for me, I am finished. So um, that's the lesson for tonight. Um, I'll be teaching for the next four weeks. We're going to dig a little bit more into the gospel of Jesus Christ and how that functions in the church and creating a culture of the gospel to empower each one of us to take our lives and actually be working out the gospel in our lives with each person that we meet. What does that look like? Where does it start? Where does it come out of? Um, and, and an effort to, as we walk towards um, the next few weeks in involvement in ministry in town here, I want to make sure you guys are set. And I'm set to be able to say, you know what? I can paint your face, but there's more than me painting your face. I can help set up, but there's more than setting up. I can do whatever it is, but there's more to it. I need to share with you about the hope that I have, the reason hope that I have. So, uh, we do a respond time here, um, and that's just connecting uh, what was taught to uh, a time of reflection. And so I'm going to allow that. I'm going to give some direction for that, and then you guys can respond, or we can respond together. Uh, we've discussed a number of topics over the past few weeks. If you're that person who runs under the banner of some of these topics, um, and are struggling to engage towards the gospel, or kind of staying in under that banner, and are struggling to actually speak the gospel, uh, maybe you want to talk to God about that and say, listen, I need help to get outside of the importance of this issue and actually talk to someone about you. If you're a person who has been silent, um, you want to ask God to open, open you up, to open your voice and speak on some of these issues, but not just these issues, but actually get to the gospel of Jesus Christ. For the person who um, some of these topics were really close to your heart, have family members or something who are dealing with it and you didn't know how to walk through them or whatever, um, talk with God about that. He wants to understand. He knows and understands those things. For all of us, um, we have areas where we fail to speak the gospel. We know there are clear-cut areas for us to say, hey, this gospel is, I could have spoke it right there in that person's life. I could have given a, a source of hope. I could have given some good news. I could have set them free some, from some captivities that they have. Um, and we failed in those areas. So spend some time talking to God about those things. Ask him to help you to be a better disciple. Help, him, help you to follow him and those who are setting great examples of discipleship around you. Look behind you. See who you can also help walk along um, towards discipleship. I'm going to give you some time to pray. I'm going to play. Um, I like to do this. The worship team normally kind of rushes up to play. I'm going to give them some time to pray. And we will continue and respond until they join me. And then we'll sing our last song. So I'll give you that time now. <laughs>